From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for another hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Coming up, we'll ask you to turn world leaders into adorable pets, spend a little time in celebrity AA, and we'll talk to author, editor, and creator of fantasy baseball, Daniel Okrent. But first, let's welcome the musical fantasy of nerds everywhere, Jonathan Colton. Hello, everyone. What is the fantasy that nerds are having of you? Probably just to be with me and hear me sing, sing them a nice song. I think that's probably the fantasy... I don't know. <laughs> your, your word's not mine. Very good. Let's welcome our first two contestants, Sarah Edry and Amy Patrick. <laughs> welcome, Amy. Hi. You are a big pop culture lover? Yeah. I have yeah. a lot of time on my hands. You have a lot of so. time on your hands? Okay. What's your sort of guilty, trashy... Is it television or magazine? What's your pop- Actually, like, I love when my husband comes back from London because he brings me a three-pack of magazines that's okay, oh, yeah. The Heat, oh, and yeah. their version of The Star, and it is, say, Magnifique. Is, is, the- <laughs> is their version of The Star also The Star? Yes, but different celebrities. That you have no idea who they are, but you're like, this is great. And they've done crazy things. Yeah. Yeah, and they're on the beach a lot, I bet. Yes, In yes. bad things. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Sari, I'm going to refer to you as Edry. And, and why is it that you just go with the Edry, the last name? Because I'm a rock star. Oh, got it. Perfect. So it's, it's a stage name? It is a stage name, although it's also my real name. It's a good choice. Easy for you to remember. I know, right? <laughs> Our first game is called Oh Oxymoron. Sounds like a bittersweet sentiment. And this week's puzzle guru is John Chinesky. He'll be tallying the score, giving hints, and he is the tallest of all of our gurus. So he'll also be making sure the contestants stay in line. John, just so we know what we're dealing with here, please explain to us what an oxymoron is. Sure. An oxymoron is a figure of speech that combines contradictory terms like a deafening silence or tight slacks. Hmm? or government organization, something like that. (laughs) Now, the word oxymoron comes from the ancient Greek words for sharp and dull, making the word oxymoron itself an oxymoron. I did not know that. Yeah, then now now you do. Yeah, (laughs) now I know why that cleaning stuff is called oxy, and I know all kinds of things now. This first game is actually a musical game, so Jonathan, take it away. What we've done is we've taken the Jimi Hendrix song, Foxy Lady, and rewritten the lyrics to be about common two-word phrases that are oxymorons. So ring in when you know the phrase. And the winner of this round will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. This song, as you know, is traditionally played on the acoustic guitar. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're the star of my pot tie, baby. Oxy. You're awesome, either grilled or deep-fried, baby. Oxy. Don't forget the cocktail sauce We love our scampi, of course Really are so big and yet small Ooh, oxymoron (laughs) Edry Jumbo shrimp Jumbo shrimp is right That's how Hendrix died, right? Jumbo shrimp. Jumbo shrimp. Allergic. I think he was allergic, yeah. Terribly <laughs> Very sad. I know this environment. 
and simulated Oxy But that don't mean that I'm not feeling stimulated Oxy Huge goggles on my head My imagination's being fed You really feel so true and yet false Amy. Virtual reality. Virtual reality, yes. You know that you're not being straight with me. Oxy. I think you might be secretly angry. Oxy. If conflict you avoid, will someone please call Freud? So nice yet mean Ooh, oxymoron Amy Passive-aggressive Yes And you could tell that Amy knew that within one, right? You knew that immediately. Is it because you were like, I know that because I am I'm that. Yeah, aggressive. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She's from Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, is that everyone in Brooklyn? Passive-aggressive? <laughs> We're all just hiding behind our glasses and beards. <laughs> this music genre is known for mellow song stylings. Oxy. Acoustic guitars are just so calm and beguiling. Oxy. James Taylor in Toto. Jackson Brown in Chicago. You're really slightly rough yet smooth. Oxymoron. Edry. Soft rock. Soft rock, indeed. <laughs> Our contestants are giggling up a storm over here. They're having the best time. It's good. Okay, uh, this is your last clue. Okay, right, I know, it's important. You know that you're a circular sensation. Oxy. Don't it that I can get at the gas station Oxy You put Duncan to shame I love your alliterative name But you're really not that hard or soft Ooh, oxymoron Amy Krispy Kreme Krispy Kreme, you got it Did you say awesome to her, Edra? You're like, awesome, well done, Krispy Kreme. Passive-aggressive. <laughs> is, that, is that what's going on here? Wow, I'm surprised you knew that. <laughs> You're so smart. <laughs> you guys are the best. That's the game, and Amy, you have won. Congratulations. Well done, Amy. Thank you so much, Edry. Amy, you'll be moving on to our final round at the end of the show. So we'll see you back. Thank, Thank you guys you. so much. It's continuing a long tradition of causing uh, dead musicians to roll over in their graves. <laughs> Oxy. Oxy. <laughs> That's like amazing. We have our next two contestants, Xavier Avila and Jocelyn Hansen, ready to go. Yeah. 
Xavier, you work in fashion? Yep. I have my corgi socks on. You have your corgi socks on. Oh, this mm-hmm. is, so how would you describe your fashion sense? Um, Brooklyn-ish. Brooklyn-ish. <laughs> Passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Jocelyn, uh, you are self-proclaimed mega-fan of American Idol. I am. Give me your favorite song challenge. Oh, uh, big band. They did. They haven't done that in years and years, but that's where you get Kelly Clarkson doing stuff like that there. Season one, which I think was like her breakout. Oh, yeah. So I like that when they really, really push them outside of their genres yeah. instead of just let them kind of, you know, do You've whatever. analyzed this. This is amazing. I, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, excellent. Well, this game is entitled Celebrity AA Meeting. So naturally, Jonathan, you will be running this. Well, I don't, first of all, I don't know why you would say that to me. <laughs> And second of all, I am too drunk, so I would appreciate it if you did. <laughs> Puzzle drunk, everybody. Drunk it's on okay. Puzzles. Drunk on puzzles. All right, fine. Uh, this game, Celebrity AA, is about famous women whose first names end with A and whose last names start with A. For example, if the clue is she played Kelly Bundy on the television series Married with Children, the answer we're looking for is Christina, Christina Applegate. Applegate. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's do it. This actress gained fame for running in slow motion in a red swimsuit and for her marriages to Tommy Lee and Kid Rock. Jocelyn. Pamela Anderson. That is correct. That is the most public radio version of that question that we could dream up. (laughs) For running in slow motion. She played Estelle Getty's daughter on The Golden Girls. Jocelyn. B. Arthur. B. Arthur. She wrote the poem On the Pulse of the Morning for Bill Clinton's first presidential inauguration. Jocelyn. Maya Angelou. That is right. As Sean Connery's co-star in Dr. No, she holds the title of being the first Bond girl. Jocelyn. Ursula Andress. That is correct. I'm so glad you're doing so well. (laughs) (laughs) She's a professional boxer whose father, Muhammad, wasn't a bad boxer himself. Xavier. Uh, Not Tatiana Ali. No. (laughs) The one that punches people. Yeah. (laughs) But you're on the right track. (laughs) Close. Okay. Jocelyn, can you steal? Layla Ali. Layla Ali is correct. This designer turned English country living into an international fashion brand known for its pastel floral patterns. Xavier. Laura Ashley? Yes, of yes. course. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> this pop star and reality television judge was like a genie in the bottle as a mouseketeer in the 1990s. Xavier. Christina Aguilera? Yes, that's right. Beautiful. Puzzle guru, John Chinesky. Well, Xavier put up a big fight at the end there, but the one who gets straight A's with this game is Jocelyn. Congratulations, Jocelyn. Xavier, thank you so much. Great contestant, Jocelyn. You'll be coming back for Ask Me One More Final Round at the end of the show. (laughs) 
Our VIP, that's very important puzzler, is author Daniel Okrent. He's the former public editor of the New York Times. He helped invent the game of fantasy baseball, which is, of course, when unicorns play against leprechauns. And he's got a new book out called American Pastimes, the Very Best of Red Smith. Stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and coming up, we'll put some words on a low-consonant diet. Plus, we'll pit author Daniel Okrent against NPR's very own sports guru, Mike Pesca, in the puzzle hot seat. But joining us right now are our next two contestants, Denise Grab and Mike Sherratt. Hi. You guys are hugging. You're already pals. We are. We're besties. How do you feel about animals? Denise, any pets? Um, I don't have any pets. Um, I think we have some spiders I've been finding around my house. I don't know if those count. Do you name them, the spiders? Um, depends on how I'm feeling that day. If I'm feeling a little lonely, yeah. <laughs> oh. Mike, do you have any pets? I do. I have two English bulldogs. Uh, one is named Jeter, and I think it's named after a, a Met, um, <laughs> but I'm not sure. And the uh, other one is Jahira. Took her from a very bad uh, family and put her into a great family, and that family also accepted me into it. And so <laughs> both of us are doing very well. Thank you very much. Oh, good. This game is called Imperial Pets. When it comes to pets, it's hard not to treat them like little furry versions of yourself. Just ask Katy Perry, who fondly named her cat Kitty Purry. That is true. So in this game, we're going to ask you to create adorable pet versions of historical world leaders, which will be an animal-based pun on the world leader's name. So puzzle guru John Chinesky, can you please give us an example? Sure. If we said, this fickle feline brought communism to China and was its most fearsome leader until he passed away in 1976, you would say, Chairman Miao. <laughs> Ring in when you know the answer, and the winner will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Reviled by his cousin Mickey during World War II, this right-wing rodent made the trains run on time in Italy. World leader? Denise? Benito Mussolini? That is great. Well done. Feeling pretty good about yourself right now? That was pretty great, right, to get that? I saw you look up to the heavens. The heavens gave you the answer, and then you delivered. After he succeeded Boris Yeltsin as Russia's top dog in 1999, he's enjoying hunting without a shirt. Luckily, the poofy haircut on his head, ankles, and buttocks keep him warm. Vladimir Putin. (laughs) Do you want to give me that again, Mike? Poodleton. <laughs> you know what? We'll take it. Vladimir Poodleton, sure. When he was dictator of Cambodia, this brutal parrot kept saying he wanted crackers for the Khmer Rouge all the time. Denise. Polypot. Polypot. That is right. 
It's getting easier on you guys. It's getting easier. <laughs> Always yelping about her godly visions, this poor puppy was burned at the stake by the French, or the Frenchies, after she led them to victory over the English. Mike. Who is Joan of Bark? Joan of Bark, that is correct. We do want to remind you, you are not on Jeopardy. Yeah, you don't have to start with the who is. Thank you. Yeah. A lot more is at stake here. Just remember that. <laughs> this tough-talking aquatic pet almost didn't become the first female prime minister of Israel after she was caught canoodling with a scuba diver in her bowl. Denise. Goldfish my ear. Goldfish my ear is correct. Also her actual nickname. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> this is your final question. Despite a devotion to Buddhist principles of peace, this spiritual ruler of Tibet is known to spit like a camel. Denise. That was Denise. Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama, (laughs) that's right. John Chinesky. Well, that was a great game, but the best in show, at least for this game, is Denise. Nice work. Congratulations, Denise. Thank you so much, Mike. Denise, you'll be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. If making puns out of world leaders is something you do in the shower, then you should be on our show. Towel off and send us an email at askmeanother at npr.org, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. We'll send you a quiz and see if you're top dog. On our stage right now, we have Sue Ritchie and Michael Cromit. <laughs> Sue, I love that in your spare time you make balloon sculptures. That is what I do. <laughs> for weddings, even once for Conan O'Brien. So how do you ship a balloon sculpture? Um, apparently, you jam it in a box and cross your fingers and hope it gets there. And it managed, so... Now I know for my next party. (laughs) Michael, you're a cinematographer, always at the theater. What is the last movie you saw that you were like, everyone needs to go see this? Um, The movie, it's a Ken Burns film, Central Park 5. I think it's a really intriguing look at kind of race relations in New York City, and I thought it was really fascinating. Wow. You're smart, huh? Cool. (laughs) No? Oh, you're humble, smart and humble. Our next game is called Not Like the Others, which is what I say about many of our contestants. Jonathan, what is this game about? Well, in this game, I will give you a list of four items, three of which have a very specific connection. Your job is to tell me which one is not like the others, and you must explain why to win the point. So I would not advise guessing. You must say the answer and then tell me why. For example, if I said, Little Pigs, Musketeers, Blind Mice, and Wonders of the Ancient World, you would say, Wonders of the Ancient World. And I would say, you forgot to tell me why. (laughs) And you would say, because there are seven of them, while the others are famous trios. Little Pigs, Musketeers, Blind Mice, all trios, Wonders of the World, there were seven. Ring in when you know which one is not like the others. The Last Supper, Venus de Milo, Mona Lisa, The Scream. Michael. The Scream. Why? Because they're not by um, an Italian painter. No, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. 
Venus to Milo because she's a sculpture. There you go. Michael, I'm sorry. I, I had to ask you why. I didn't mean to make you look bad. <laughs> They're tricky. Identity, supremacy, inception, ultimatum. Michael. Inception. Because they're not a born film. Yeah, you got it. Born identity, born supremacy, born ultimatum. No born inception yet. <laughs> I thought those were the four stages of any romantic relationship. <laughs> identity, supremacy, right. inception, ultimatum. ultimatum. That's it. That's Sorry. how it goes. Miranda, Charlotte, Teresa, Carrie. Michael. Teresa. Tell me why, Michael. Because they're not a member of the group in Sex and the City. Right. <laughs> not one of the main principal characters in Sex and the City. FBI, DEA, ATF, FDA. Sue. Uh, that's a great question. Thanks. <laughs> FDA. Tell me why. Because it's a different kind of agency than the other ones. <laughs> I don't know. Can you be more specific? I cannot. Okay. Uh, Michael, do you want to take a run at this? Uh, I would say um, the FDA because it doesn't uh, deal with crime. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, it's okay. not a law enforcement oh. agency. <laughs> The others are law enforcement agencies under the Department of Justice. Very good. Give you up, kiss your hand, make you cry, run around and desert you. <laughs> Sue. Uh, kiss your hand. Uh-huh. Because this is not something that Rick Astley... Well, it is something, I guess, that Rick Astley would do because right. he did not it's promise not, not to do It's not something that it. he's never going to do. Yes. That's correct. And if you listen to that song, it's like a female fantasy, basically, that entire song. It's like, I'm ready to commit. I'm never going to make you cry. You're like, yeah, you are. You're going to make me cry. I know it's you also, are. It's also, it is interesting. He never says anything that he's going to do. <laughs> so you, in a way, you still don't know what kind of boyfriend <laughs> right. he's going to be. Right. I'm going to lie around the house. I'm going to drink beer. Right. That's all the things I I didn't say I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> okay, this is a tricky one. Civic, kayak... Madam Lilac. Michael. Madam, it's not a, uh, it's not the same forward and backwards. Uh, it's not an, an, uh, an uh, palindrome. Uh, is palindrome, thank for. you. I can, that is the wrong answer, unfortunately. Uh. <laughs> what were they again? C Civic, kayak, madam, and lilac. Civic, kayak, madam, lilac. That's right. Madam, because it's not a kind of car. I don't know. <laughs> There's not a lilac either. I don't care. Two of them are. I close. would drive the lilac, just so you know. I would right? totally drive that. It would be, that. It would be nice. Would be, it would be gorgeous. Well, Michael, was, Michael was sort of on the right track. It, it actually is about palindromes, but Madam is actually a palindrome. So we were looking for lilac is the only one that is not a palindrome. And you said oh Madam gosh, is not a palindrome, yes, and that is, that is false. I was thinking of, like, Madame, you know. Oh, oh yeah. yes. It's because of my, my pronunciation, because of my accent. <laughs> Zambia, Gambia, Uganda, Guyana. Michael. 
Uh, Guyana, because it's not a country in Africa. That's correct. It is in South America. Okay, this is your last clue. Smaller, darker, freed of gray. Sue. Smaller, because it's not one of the Shades of Grey books. That's right. <laughs> not preceded by I 50 Shades in the title of a book. Are you, you're sighing because you're, you're kind of disgusted that that's the one you know yeah. the answer to? Exactly. Yeah. I understand. John Chinesky, what happened in that game? Well, there was one standout in this game, and it was Michael. Congratulations, Michael. Well done, Michael. Thank you so much, Sue. Fantastic. Michael, you'll be moving on to our final round at the end of the show. Jonathan, how about some music? What would you like to play? I'm going to play this here song about not belonging. When you were here before Couldn't look you in the eye Just like an angel Your skin makes me cry You float like a feather Beautiful world Wish I was special You're so very special But I'm a creep I'm a weirdo What the hell am I doing here? don't belong here I don't belong here Jonathan Colton Thank you Let's say hello to our next two contestants Thomas Taylor and Jeremy Rubenstein Jeremy, are you a word game guy? You know what? Tonight I am. Why not? Have you ever solved a crossword puzzle? Or, uh, yeah, I have. Do you ever play Trivial Pursuit? Oh, yes. Yeah? Okay, that won't help you. Thomas, word game guy? Definitely. What's your word game of choice? Uh, I like to play Boggle a lot. All right, well, this game is called Consonant Weight Loss Plan. Like people, words sometimes worry that they're a bit thick around the middle, so we've opened a special clinic in which we remove the interior consonants from words... And they emerge as slimmer words. Puzzle guru John Chinesky, can you please explain this? We're going to give you a two-part clue. The first part describes the original word, and the second describes its slimmed-down form, where all the consonants in the middle of the word are removed. For example, if I said, it's a tale or narrative that, after losing some consonants, turns out to be the bean used to make tofu, you would say, story and soy. Okay. <laughs> Thomas has a look of understanding. Jeremy? Jeremy, not so much. <laughs> understanding and fear. And fear. All right, we'll go nice and slow. This wooden-soled shoe was whittled down to make a bit of gear work. Jeremy? Uh, it would be clog for a wooden shoe. Yes. And cog for gear work. You got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
It's like you just found out you passed the bar. That was uh, <laughs> the relief. This follower of the Church of Latter-day Saints went on a diet so he could jump as high as this celestial object. Thomas. Uh, Mormon and moon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's how one might describe under-seasoned or very plain food and how a gourmet might describe the same food. Thomas. Bland and bad. That is correct. This dilemma or quandary was solved by reducing it down to a sonnet. Thomas. Problem and poem. That's correct. Adam and Eve had a short little love affair, which they covered up with the leaf of this fruit tree. Thomas. They had a fling, and they covered it with fig leaves. Yeah, weird, right? But right. That is weird, but you're right. You can find many types of it on the website Etsy. Slim it down to get a popular Etsy animal theme. Thomas. Craft and cat. Yes. They go hand in hand, don't they? Absolutely, on the internet. <laughs> The boat was in traffic and not moving, so the captain dropped some consonants and raised this sheet to harness the wind. Thomas. Stand still, so he raised the sail? Yes, that is Brilliant. correct. Well done. This is your last question. It's where a bracelet is worn by a clever person such as yourself. Jeremy. It's worn on the wrist, but a clever person like myself. No, yeah, just take out the consonants and you can make this happen, my friend. Take out the R and the S. <laughs> throw you a little bone there. And keep them about you. Wit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Appreciate that. John Chinesky, how did this come together? Thomas wins the game. Way to go, Thomas. Jeremy, thank you so much, Thomas. You're the winner of this round, and you'll be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Stay tuned. We'll talk to our VIP, Daniel Okrent, about jokes, crosswords, and rotisserie baseball, of course. Plus, we'll see if he's ready to play ball in a trivia challenge we've created just for him. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR and WNYC's hour of trivia, puzzles, and word games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and joining me is author and editor Daniel Okrent. Welcome to Ask Me Another, Daniel. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Now, I mentioned all these amazing things that you have done and created and written, but I did not mention that you are a crossword puzzle nut. 
Well, I think nut is not a very friendly word to use. It's something that I do do every morning, but there are many things we do every morning. We don't make fun of them in public, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I actually met you at this year's... Uh... The, this year's Crossword Puzzle Tournament, which was the American Crossword Puzzle Tournament, which I had my worst performance ever. I oh, finished, really? Yeah, it was really terrible. But I'm getting old, and I'm not as fast as I used to be. Wait a second. What? I, I don't have the consonants I once had. I used to, you know, <laughs> zip them in there. What is your puzzle of choice? Are you a New York Times? That's the only one that I do. I think it's the only one that really matters. It's the one that we measure ourselves against. Well done. And so People ob- are doing other ones. I said, that's not a crossword puzzle. Get out of here. Yeah, like USA Today. Ridiculous. <laughs> See, yeah. People Magazine. Um, I can't talk about it because they pay me for something. So <laughs> okay, good. I won't do that now. So they have a very good one. Yeah, it's superb. Uh, yes. You like the New York Times crossword puzzle, and you, for a, a year and a half, were the public editor. I was of the public editor for a year and a half. It just felt like it was five or six years. <laughs> <laughs> and what is a public editor? Uh, it's really kind of uh, internal affairs. It's the cop. Uh, my job was to find out what the paper was doing wrong and write about it in the paper and have people who were written about or people who objected to things in the paper. They would come to me with complaints, and then I would take them to the editors and the writers, and then I'd write about it in the paper that they worked for. They really loved yeah, that's, me. That's it a tough a, job. It was just wonderful. So, I mean, that sounds like a pretty uh, tough climate, obviously. It doesn't sound like a fun place to go wasn't, wasn't, every day. No, no not at all. But not you all. you lasted a year and a half. I managed to have my office at the end of a corridor on the 15th floor. There was nobody behind me, and I could see everybody coming in advance. It was sort of like <laughs> I was standing on a machine gun nest to protect myself. And, and no, then, it lasted 18 months because when I signed up for the job, I said, I'm only going to be here for 18 months. I wanted it to be a term certain so that people wouldn't think I was being nice to the paper to keep my job. So I announced in my first column that I was leaving in May of, of 2005. Uh, not that I wanted to keep the job, but... Uh, oh, so you're very strategic about the yes, whole thing. Yes, I was thing. very... It was sort of like doing a crossword puzzle. So yeah. if you're... Uh, right? So if yeah. you're in between these two people, obviously you're, you're like the uh, uh, cop, as you said, between these two mm-hmm. bodies. Is there anything you learned from that experience at the New York Times that was particularly surprising? Uh, well, I, I guess the most surprising thing was how intensely people f- uh, f- uh, felt about the paper. People, particularly people who liked the paper, who counted on it, when it disappointed them, they were really, really crushed by it. It played a very important role in their lives. Mm-hmm. And this was shortly after, it was only two years after what the Times had fallen down on the job on the, the, the walk up to the Iraq war. So there were a lot of people who had much to be angry about. Mm-hmm. You are known as the creator, co-creator of fantasy baseball. No, creator, actually. Creator, yeah, very good. A... I want to make sure. Rotisserie baseball, yeah, as it was originally called. It was originally called. called rotisserie baseball after the lousy restaurant where we first, uh, <laughs> uh, where, where, I, where I handed down the rules. Yep. What was the name of the restaurant? It's called La Rotisserie Francaise. It was on East 52nd between 3rd and Lexington. It went out of business about three or four months after we were first written about in the newspapers, and I think that maybe there was an association. <laughs> How did this happen? You were just hanging out with some friends? Well, it was was the summer of, uh, I'm sorry, the winter of 79, 80 between seasons, and I was missing baseball, and I was on a flight uh, to to Texas, and I just had this kind of crazy idea. And I got off the plane in Texas and went to some friends there. I, I had a consulting arrangement there, and they thought I was crazy. And I came back to New York where nobody would think I was crazy and found a bunch of people who were willing to do it. And within, you know, within uh, just a couple of years, there were millions of people playing it, and I made a vast fortune from it. 
Wow. Okay. You made a, no, uh, not okay. <laughs> I didn't make a penny out of it because the rules say. were so simple. Yeah, I'm so the schmuck who could not make money out of something that everybody loved to do. For any of our, our listeners that don't know what it's like to be part of a fantasy uh, sports league, can you just give a, a no, brief rundown? No, absolutely that? not. <laughs> well, you don't want them part <laughs> no, of it? It's just terrible. No, I feel a little bit like J. Robert Oppenheimer having invented the atomic bomb. It's really not a very nice thing that I brought into the world. You have created an off-Broadway play called Old, Old Jews, Jews Telling Jokes. Now, that is fantastic. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. You have famous comedic actors that are either retelling these jokes or they're doing scenes with these yeah, jokes. Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually a play. Well, I don't know. It's, maybe that's an insult to the word play, but it is, it is actually dramatized. The, it's, you know, if it's a joke about a mother and a daughter, instead of a stand-up comedian telling the joke, that one actress plays the mother, one actress plays the daughter, and it becomes a, a, a scene, a show. And it, it, we just had our 400th performance the night before last. Congratulations. It's really, yeah, it's, nice. really, it's really great. So what makes a joke a Jewish joke? If the character's name is Kaplan. The basic nature of, of Jewish humor is it, it's about being a loser. It's about life being bigger than you are and, and being tougher than you are. And it's mostly self-deprecatory. Uh, and there's always somebody in it who's a shlemiel, you know, that, and often it's the person who is telling the joke who's the shlemiel. Do people in the, in the audience uh, mouth along to some of the punchlines of yes, the jokes? Yes, they do. They get a little bit ahead of us sometimes. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of it's, it's part of the fun. There's also the guy who got up one night in the, fir- in the front row in the middle of, uh, of the show, elbows his way to the aisle, takes two steps up the aisle and says, where's the bathroom? And, and <laughs> my wife said we should hire him and have him do it every night. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. showstopper. Yeah, Everyone's exactly. like, there's a real one. Yeah, that is exactly. A real... Yeah. Well, Danny, I can tell that you are the kind of guy that's kind of up for anything. Well, what do you have in mind? I have in mind... <laughs> oh, that, and sure. ask me another yes, variety of games. delighted to do it. Yeah, Perfect. Let's play ball. Perfect. How about a hand for our VIP, Daniel Okrit. Thank you. Daniel, it's clear you've been a longtime fan of this nation's pastime, baseball, so we thought we'd pitch you up against another expert, NPR's own Mike Pesca. Mike, you're a sports correspondent for NPR, and you're a panelist on Slate's sports podcast, Hang Up and Listen. But let me ask you this, Mike. Go ahead. Do you play fantasy baseball? Although I don't like to brag about it, I do. I'm you in, do? I'm in three leagues right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Look, the most boring sentence in the English language is, let me tell you about my dream. And the second most boring is, let me tell you about my outfield. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to put you up against Daniel in this game, and here's what we decided. Whoever wins not only gets bragging rights, of course, but the winner gets to change the loser's fantasy team name for the rest of the season. That's what we call stakes on Ask Me Another. I'm going to bring back our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton. Yes. And, of course, our puzzle guru and resident expert, John Chinesky. One important statistic for baseball players is OBP, or on-base percentage, which is a measure of how often a player reaches base. Eddie Goodell, who played for the St. Louis Browns in 1951, had the highest OBP possible, a perfect 1.000. Why? Mike. He was... A little person. He drew a walk the only time it was up because he crouched because he had no strike zone. That is correct. <laughs> That's right. He was three feet, six inches tall. 
And his uniform number was? One eighth. <laughs> do I get a point for that? Yes, you do get a point for that because <laughs> that, that was, was our next question. question. I know all this stuff. <laughs> Mordecai Peter Centennial Brown and Antonio Alfonseca both pitched for the Chicago Cubs in their careers. Brown in the early 1900s and Alfonseca nearly 100 years later. They also had very unusual but similar nicknames. What were those nicknames? Daniel. Three finger and six finger. Yes. That's correct. Do you want to tell me what the situation with their fingers? Well, it was really interesting. One of them had three fingers and the other one had six fingers. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Mordecai, three finger brown, Hall of Fame pitcher, Al... Antonio, six-finger Alfonseca, not Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh-huh. The polydactyl Hall of Fame. Polydactyl Hall yeah. of Fame. The three fingers was actually an asset. The three finger was presumed to be an asset, but nobody knows because nobody else had three fingers. So, you know. <laughs> that's, good. that's a very good point. The league allowed anyone to chop off two and find out. No one right. took them up on it. It's very hard to have a control when you're running that experiment. <laughs> that's right. On June 12, 1970, Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Doc Ellis threw a no-hitter. An impressive achievement, particularly since Ellis admitted years later that he did it in what altered state? Daniel. He was on LSD. He sure was, yeah. Speaking of offbeat players, what relief pitcher said, I'm a certified ninja. It happened in a dream. Normally it takes a lifetime, but I did it in 12 minutes. Could be anybody. Mike. Turk Wendell. That might be a good guess. I don't know who that is. Daniel. (laughs) Mike Pesca. (laughs) The certification is pending. (laughs) I'm sorry, it was San Francisco Giants pitcher Brian Wilson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a good singer with the Beach Boys, too. Yeah, that's right. A famous curse or jinx began in 1954 when Braves third baseman Eddie Matthews broke his hand just one week after being the first major leaguer to do what? Hmm, Stumper, huh? Daniel. Oh, yes. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. That's the very right. first issue, August 1954. In a swimsuit, I take it. Yep. In the 1980s, the front office of the Oakland A's realized they had a $1 million surplus. After some head-scratching, they figured out that it was Ricky Henderson's fault. What did the legendary base stealer do, or rather, not do? Mike. He didn't cash his checks. That's right. (laughs) He was given a $1 million check, and instead of depositing it, he framed it. (laughs) Did he just assume it was fake? No. No. He he went to a pizza place, saw that buck on the wall, decided, that's a good business strategy. (laughs) (laughs) I got my first million dollar check. It shows you don't need to be smart to steal bases. (laughs) (laughs) Until 1887, the home plate could be made from either of two materials. One is whitened rubber that we're familiar with. What's the other? Mike. Ivory. Oh, wow. That is quite some yeah, home no, plate. Everybody knows, the, everybody knows this one. Gefilte fish. Gefilte fish. <laughs> marble. Marble. Home plate could be made out of marble. Which of the following was once the name of the Los Angeles Dodgers when they played right here in Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Perfectos, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, or the Brooklyn Orphans? Daniel. Bridegrooms. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was, I'm sorry, that was Mike who, who rang They were also the Perfectos. They were both. I think they were both. Mike, you have to, you have to pick one. What do, you, what do you choose? I'll say Bridegrooms. Bridegrooms is correct. Yeah, that's right. 
I know. I'm sorry. And, and, and Mike, you're welcome. Yeah. All right. <laughs> they were named that way because seven of their team members got married around the same time. They were like, hey, guys, Aww. let's call ourselves the bridegrooms. Under the same nomenclature, today's baseball teams would be known as the strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> well, by my count, our MVP on LSD is Daniel Okrand. Way to go, Daniel. Well done. That means you're going to be able to rename all six of Mike Pesca's... Do I have to? <laughs> yes, you do. Thank you so much, Mike Pesca. Give him a huge round of applause for coming all the way down to join us. And one more round for our VIP, Daniel Okrit. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from O oh, Oxymoron, Amy Patrick. From Celebrity AA Meeting, Jocelyn Hansen. From Imperial Pets, Denise Grab. From Not Like the Others, Michael Cromit. And from Consonant Weight Loss Plan, Thomas Taylor. I'm going to ask our puzzle guru, John Chinesky, to crown our winner. This final round is called State of Mind. In this game, all of the answers will contain the name of a U.S. state. For example, if I said Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein worked for this newspaper, you would say the Washington Post. Now, we're playing spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You'll only have a few seconds to give us the answer. Last person standing is our grand winner. Remember, all of the answers contain the name of a U.S. state, and if it helps, we've only used each state once in the game. Here we go. Amy, this muddy body of water has its origins in Minnesota and ends in the Gulf of Mexico. The Mississippi River? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Jocelyn, it's what the K in the fast food chain KFC used to stand for. Kentucky. That's right. <laughs> Denise, Miley Cyrus was the star of this long-running Disney TV show. Three seconds. Step aside, Denise. Let's see if Michael knows the answer to this. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana is correct. Thank you for playing, Denise. Thomas. It was the gigantic land acquisition made by Thomas Jefferson in 1803. The Louisiana Purchase. That's correct. Amy. The original version of this tropical cop show starred Jack Lord. Hawaii Five-O. Yes. Jocelyn, Nicole Kidman won an Oscar for The Hours, portraying this English novelist. Virginia Woolf. Yes. <laughs> Michael, this song was written for Liza Minnelli, but it became Frank Sinatra's last top 40 hit. On New York, New York. That's it. That's where we are. <laughs> Thomas, this classic educational computer game casts you as the leader of a wagon train heading west. Three seconds. Uh, Thomas. California Rush. No, not California Rush. Let's see if Amy knows the answer to this. Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail is correct. Thank you for playing, Thomas. <laughs> Jocelyn. This Mark Twain novel involves a New Englander who travels back to the Middle Ages. Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Correct. <laughs> Michael. Tijuana, Ensenada, and Mexicali are all cities in this Mexican state bordering the Pacific Ocean. Um, Baja California. Baja California is right, CC. <laughs> Amy, according to the theme song of the Beverly Hillbillies, it's a slang term for oil. T 
Texas T. That's right. Jocelyn, this battleship exploded in Havana Harbor, helping to trigger the Spanish-American War. The Indiana? No, not Indiana. Let's see if Michael knows what it is. The USS Maine? The Maine. He remembered the Maine. Yes, Michael, way to go. Thank you for playing, Jocelyn. Amy, the capital of this former Soviet Republic is Tbilisi. Three seconds. I have no idea. Let's see if Michael knows it. Georgia. Georgia is correct. Thank you for playing, Amy. That makes Michael our grand winner. Congratulations. Michael, you're asking another big winner, and you are getting a prize provided by our VIP, Daniel Okrent. It's the Daniel Okrent Pennant Package, an autographed copy of Daniel's book, American Pastimes, The Very Best of Red Smith, two tickets to old Jews telling jokes, and Daniel will give you advice on your fantasy baseball team. Unfortunately, that's all we have for you in the puzzle world today, but you can be a puzzler player anytime, anyplace. Just take us with you by downloading our podcast, or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is John Chinesky. Hey, my name anagrams to Oh Heck Ninjas. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Launch at Jot Noon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung. With additional puzzle writing by Kyle Beakley, Storm D. Constanzo, Karen Lurie, Adam Markowitz, Jim Newman, and David Levinson-Wilk. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogeson, John Asante, Eleanor Kagan, and Jess Miller. Gel Misers. Along with Portia Robinson-Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Paul Ruest, Ivan Kuriev, and David Herkin. We'd like to thank The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. Our home in Brooklyn, New York, and our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias, Afira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, we sing clues about famous people with the initials MB. Hey, I'm from New York, was on the OC, I'm in the tabloids, just look for MB. Peter, I don't think Mike Bloomberg was on OC. But... Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on Ask Me Another, Game On. <laughs>